0: Hey there, and welcome to The Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as a sit-down with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests as we talk about all the things that empower you to become your best, most confident self so you can step boldly into who you were created to be, The Confident Woman. Let's go. All right, today we are back with another guest, and you have got to meet Kelly Moore. Kelly Moore is the co-founder and CEO of Soulfire Productions, the premier podcast network for thought leaders, free thinkers, and visionaries. She's been the host of two top-rated podcasts, The Kelly Show and Okay, Babe, and she's deeply passionate about helping people see themselves more clearly. She believes in setting themselves free from expectations, people-pleasing, and the stories that hold them back and living their own life. She's also the Emmy Award-winning former sports TV host with an eye for truth and an ear for bullshit. Kelly loves creating life-changing experiences for audiences and holding space for creatives to seek deeper within and become the most genuine expression of themselves. So welcome, Kelly, because we're going to talk about all that stuff. And right before we just got started, we talked about how we love going deep and we love having deep, meaningful conversations and just connecting with people on that level where we can really challenge them to, you know, create life-changing experiences and hold that space and live life to the fullest. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So tell us about all the things like where to begin, because you have so many things going on from your podcast to your, to your Soulfire productions, to the your former or the award-winning um, sports TV hosts and the experiences that you create for all sorts of changes and women and all the things, right? So give us the goods.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like my past life and my current life. There's like Kelly 1.0 and 2.0. <laughs> um and that. entering into motherhood in the next few months. So I guess 3.0 is coming rather quickly. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet. But yeah, my background was in sports. I played volleyball at USC, you know, as a top-ranked athlete and ended up getting really sick during my time. I had chronic illness for about 14 years starting at 19. Gave up my scholarship had to just become a regular student and figure out what I was going to do. And i had always wanted to be in television. And it's part of why I went to LA to go to USC so that I could get internships and and have all that exposure. And so immediately went into television, was working with ESPN and Pac-12 network and traveling all over the country um, while still trying to figure out why I was sick, how I was sick, what was going on. And so I did television for about 14 years and it Around 27, finally found the right doctors to give me a proper diagnosis. So I had been misdiagnosed almost that entire time and was trying to treat myself holistically and definitely made progress on my own. But like anything, like you kind of hit a wall after a certain amount of time because I'm not trained professionally in any of this. And Google can only give you so much. (laughs) So I finally found the right doctors, a functional medicine doctor and an Ayurvedic doctor in LA and did all the proper testing, got really clear on what was happening with my gut and just, you know, genetic issues and things like that and was healed within a year and a half um and have not had a symptom since and so that was a really profound shift in my life and was also working in a very male dominated toxic culture in sports you know I was a sideline reporter and a host and dealt with mostly men and dealt with a lot of different you know sexual assault and abuse and control and manipulation and i just kind of got to a point i think once i started getting healthier i started to see where things just weren't adding up and where i wasn't happy and so much of my you know, dis-ease I think was caused from being a people pleaser and being the good girl and doing whatever everyone told me to do. When in reality, none of my life was for me. It was always for validation and other people to, you know, live up to their standards and all of that. And so I ended up leaving that career and I didn't know what I was going to do for about six months because I had only ever been a TV host aside from Lululemon for six months. So I could fold clothes and do interviews with really famous people. And that was literally it. <laughs> and so I tried to figure out what I wanted. And so I just sat with it and was on a very deep personal development journey at this time as well. And and I just got really quiet and I realized that I wanted to surround myself with women. I wanted to support women. I wanted to heal my sisterhood wounds. I had been bullied my entire life by women. And I really wanted to shift the narrative in every aspect of my life. And so I started my podcast And that was really about chronic healing and chronic illness, healing from chronic illness, alternative medicine, all those kinds of things. And it eventually, you know, evolved as our podcast evolved with us as we change as people. And as I got older and started to dive more into different things and became more about business and plant medicine and sexuality and just all the realizations I was having. It was like, I was a baby deer seeing the world for the first time. Like, Oh my God, that's possible. What is that? I've never heard of that. Let's get curious about that. And that's really what the podcast reflected. And then, um, I started Soulfire with my now husband, um, and our COO, about two and a half years ago, because we just saw so many holes in the podcast industry. And we realized that it was just lacking transparency and community things that I really care a lot about. And So we started the company and we have about 35 shows that we produce their shows now. And then we have a podcast together. I ended my show in December because we were going into IVF and I knew I was going to need a lot of space. So we have OK Babe now. And yeah, that's like my long story short. And now we're pregnant and moving into a very new chapter and I'm getting ready to get the company ready for me to not be there for a couple months. So just learning all the things.
0: Wow. No, and, and that's uh, an incredible journey because I think, you know, you you hit on so many different facets is that as we navigate through life, it's this constant evolution where, you know, we're not just one thing and we don't have to hold so much of that, you know, attachment to that identity and that we can allow ourselves to be. More free, and as you said, more curious to learn about you know the things that have, that are of interest, the things that are new. And as we start peeling off these layers, like the you know the evolution of ourselves, like shedding of skin, we start seeing life and and just things in general differently. They become new, they become interesting, they become like wow, this was here this whole time, and I didn't even have the right prescription lenses to see this. And it's just a really, really cool journey once you start to make that shift that all these different pieces start to click and the world opens up and it becomes this place where you can really explore. And you've done such a profound exploration because you've gotten to this stage of where you're at now. And you said, this is like the 3.0 you're about to embark on. Like all these different stages. And I think it's so cool as a woman, like we wear so many hats and so many roles and and our identity is attached to those. Yet the role of who we are is the one that we hold the most stronghold to our identity. So I love that you, you know, found ways to navigate when life was feeling like it was against you, you realized how much it was working for you by, you know, 14 years of of this chronic illness that you've now within a year or so, like you figure that out. And it was you being your own advocate for self. And I think that's so important too, to know, because I think when we go to, you know, professionals, experts, doctors, whatever that is, we think that they know better than we, but it's really us. Like we are, we have to be advocates, like they're knowledgeable in certain things, but yet it's up to us to trust who we are and you've literally changed your life because of that. You took back that power.
1: Yeah. I mean, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it so much. I think, you know, for me, it always comes back to radical responsibility and honesty with ourselves. And I think that, you know, not to blame people because I really feel like this is how we're brought up. And I think this has been going on for many generations, but we're taught to just trust other people and allow other people to make decisions for us. And we're not taught to take responsibility. We're not taught to advocate for ourselves. We just hand it over and say, well, so-and-so went to medical school and they said this and that's that. And I went through that. I was working with top doctors in the world at 19 years old. No one could figure out what was wrong. And I went to this doctor and he's like, oh, well, you have fibromyalgia. Take these nine pills and this is your life now. I'm like, okay, so now I'm depressed, suicidal, hallucinating, and I'm 19. And I was just one of the top athletes in the entire country a week ago. How does that make any sense? And that's when I started to see like, so much is a lie. There's just so much out there that's a lie. And there's so many of us who are living based on what our parents' beliefs are, are and were and what they were taught. Well, we live in a very different world than what our parents grew up in. I don't care how old you are. You could be 80 listening to this and you could be 15 listening to this. Your parents' life experience is far different than yours and their trauma and their experience as a child and all of those things are not yours, but we take it on as ours and we make it our belief system and our patterns, and then we don't know how to get out of it. And so we just give it over and we become a victim of our own lives. And it's like, well, I don't have a choice and this is what it is. And I'm here to tell you that that is not true. We do have a choice. We can take responsibility. I'm not saying that, you know, something horrible happened to you and you should just like get over it and forget about it. If you are raped, if you have something terrible happen, like obviously acknowledge it. We get to work through that. That is a huge experience in your life. But what is your response? What are you going to do with that? If you want to take ownership back over your life and your body and your sexuality and an experience like that, you're the only one who can do that. Finding therapy, working with the right practitioners, of course is so important, but they can't do the work for you. They can't take that and and become empowered for you. So I think you can look at this on many different levels. You know, maybe you have a fear of abandonment because your parents weren't there every single day when you got home from school and so you like have this deep fear that someone's just not going to show up for you. Well, now you're 35 and this is Completely running your life. And what are you going to do about it? You're not a little kid coming home from school to no parents anymore. Now it's your choice and your opportunity to look at things through a new lens and say, I have a chance here to change this for myself. And how am I going to do that? And how am I going to let go of what was in order to step into a new version of myself and create a new story based on my experiences and my beliefs, not what someone taught me 30 years ago?
0: Oh my gosh. Can we just say like, like mic drop right there? Because literally, I feel like we're, we're literally kindred spirits here because all of this so resonates because I mean, for those even listening and who have been part of this journey of this podcast and picking up bits and pieces as I share throughout, I mean, this, this totally resonates with me. This was me before this, I always say like my former version of myself. And I was just a victim. I was a victim to so many things. And it was always because, and it was the blame, right? You have these excuses, these stories, these lies just straight up like that's attached to our our belief system. And we become a product of what we believe because whatever we believe, again, we're going to hold so strongly to that belief that we'll fight tooth and nail to make it our truth and say, no, this is because. But I think, you know, when we question that, it's like, okay, but what is that because, right? Continue the sentence, follow the trail. Because the doctor said so, because my mom did that, because so-and-so said I should do this, right? So we literally gave that power away to those people to dictate and determine our life and our outcome. But yet the truth is, where are you on that? You are just basically, I mean, for lack of better words, like I felt like I was a puppet. I was a puppet in somebody else's play. They were pulling the strings because I gave them the power, the knowledge, the resources, the tools, the education, all the things that I entrusted in others, but I had zero trust in myself to make those decisions. And that was from a place of like just lack of Lack of knowledge, lack of belief, lack of confidence, and and insecurities in myself. It was also due to a lot of past and just trauma, and and just you know a lot of heavy stuff that happens in our past, and that could become the version of who we are if we continue, like you said, having those abandonment issues of something that happened when you're seven, eight years old, and now you're thirty-five plus. You know all these different ages that we're still that small child trying to heal are, you know, as adults trying to heal those childlike wounds. And if we don't address those we'll never heal from it, and we can't let go and detach ourselves from what was, so we can step into what could be, and that's the highest version of yourself. So I w- just want to thank you for sharing that because that was so profound. Um, and so, it was so resonating to me because that's exactly how I saw it as my life changing journey was unfolding.
1: Yeah. I mean, Again,
0: yeah, I'm happy to
1: share that. And I think that so many women resonate with that. Like the fact that the two of us are saying, yeah, I had the same experience and probably all of your listeners are like, in some way, shape or form have had a very similar experience. And this is you know, probably gonna piss people off, but I'm really tired of everyone saying, but I'm too scared to change, but I'm too scared to make a new choice. Like, hey, when is enough enough for you? Mm -hmm. Like, when is enough enough? When are you going to get tired enough of your own merry-go-round that you just keep cycling on and say, I want a new life and I'm going to create a new life. Like that is, that is, you have to get to that point. And I, I get very passionate about this because I waited too long and I not, I don't believe in regrets. I'm so glad everything happened the way it did. But if there's something I could go back and change, it would be that I waited so long to realize that I was miserable and I didn't like myself or my body or my life far earlier than when I left my career and healed from chronic illness. Like, I don't think I would have been sick that whole time had I walked away. And yet I kept putting myself back in the same situations over and over again, letting men treat me like crap, not speaking up for myself, having a bunch of bosses tell me how to act, what to wear, what to dress, you know, how to be all of these things And it's like, you have to get to a point when you say, this is enough. I am done and I am choosing something else. And I'm going to stop making excuses because I deserve better. I deserve better. There is something else out there. I always use this analogy on my show is like, we're all in this box for so long and it has a pretty bow on top and it's super cozy and comfy. And we know what to expect. We may hate the box but at least we know what to expect, right? And for people like you and I who are super anal and controlling and all the things, it's really nice in the box. We're like, oh, thank God, I can breathe. But then what happens when you take a step out? All this fear comes forward, all the unknown. I don't know what's there. What if this happens? What if that? And We play that game with ourselves. Well, guess what? You know what else is out there? Every freaking possibility that you could imagine and the life that you're waiting for inside this stupid box that you're just trapping yourself in. You're making yourself a prisoner of your own freaking life, but you're blaming it on everybody else. Stop right. doing it. Just like take the step out and realize that the unknown, yeah, it's scary. Who knows what's out there? But it's gotta be better than whatever the hell's going on in this little thing in the box.
0: Oh my gosh. So true. So true. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, all this stuff I talk about in my book, Chasing Perfection, A Journey to Healing, Fitness and Self-Love. Like literally that was, you know, the, the constant quest for enoughness. You know, when we're, when we're chasing perfection in any form of capacity, it, it's this this constant chase for an ideal that we know doesn't exist. We know perfection doesn't exist, but it's the root of, is it enough? Is it enough? Is it enough? And so it just leaves us constantly going on to the next thing where we don't ever, ever stop to be like, well, what is enough? What is enough for me? And so when we look at change from that perspective, it's like, there's, um uh, I may be butchering this quote, but it's, it's change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And if I got that right, look it up. Tony Robbins actually said it better, but it, it was right something. Me. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's like, when, when I first heard that, it was like, wow. Okay. I want change, but I'm not sure if I want change because of what it will do to me and it will cause a lot of pain. But then looking at it, it's like, but the pain of right now, of suffering, and and just just this just constant like fear base, I can't do this anymore. So something has to give, and I feel like everyone hits their limit when when they find like. We could say, oh my gosh, I hate hate doing that. I don't know why I keep going back to the same repeated patterns, dating shitty men, getting, you know, being yelled at by your boss. Like, why do we keep putting ourselves in the same situations? But eventually, and that's why I would just say, like, everyone learns in their own time. So you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? So we could sit there and be like, listen, you need you need to get out of that situation. You need to change your life. You need to change your patterns, whatever that is. But until that person has had a, enough and hit their breaking point, that's the moment they declare. That's it. Enough is enough. I need change. And so that's when the, the like seed starts to germinate. Like the seed has always been there knowing like, I don't want this. This isn't my life. This is, this, this is not how I envisioned living. And when we start to germinate that seed, it things, like you said, start showing up. You start realizing the possibilities, the opportunities, everything that's outside of that box. And I remember at, Uh, a point in my life when I was kind of maybe a little bit into my journey. Um, like when I say my journey, my transformation journey, I would say like former version and like, you know, there's that, that intermediate area until you get to where you're at now. And you could kind of look back and every, you know, every version of you is different from yesterday onward. Um, but I was at this point in my life where I kept saying, yeah, but I'm, more or less, and taking it out of context, more or less, I was so comfortable in this box. And having this conversation with somebody and she said, but what is this box? Why do you have this box? And I was like, well, in short, I built it because of uh, all these things that I was preventing and I was trying to protect myself. And what I didn't realize that I did in turn was made myself a prisoner in this box. And not only was I a prisoner in this box, I protected myself so much so that other things that were trying to come to me couldn't even get in. I built a freaking fortress. Like love couldn't find me. Happiness couldn't find me. All these things that I was externally seeking, I built myself in this shit made box of just negativity, disparity, hopelessness. And, you know, just a victim of my past, but I kept saying, but at least I'm comfortable in here. At least it's warm. At least it's safe. At least it's secure. For what, what did I build that for? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, looking back at my version of myself, I didn't know what I know now. And so this is why I think this conversation is so important, so valid, because anyone listening be like, I didn't realize I just did that. Just put I built this cement block and I can't get out and nobody could come in and I feel so isolated and alone and we're not meant for that so all, yeah. just what you said really really resonated with me
1: yeah and to your point, like we build these fortresses because we want to feel safe right the conversation we have to have with ourselves is what makes me feel safe what is safety how do I define safety now because I think that our five-year-old is building the fortresses sometimes. Our five-year-old just needs tending to so that our 35-year-old can be free. Because to me, safety feels a lot different now than it did when I was a little girl. And I get to define what that is, just like I get to define what happiness and success is for myself after leaving a very toxic career for so many years. I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, is validation from strangers online your definition of happiness and success? Is a six and seven figure paying job your definition of success? Does that mean you made it? My definitions look a lot different now, but I had to, again, I always go back to this radical honesty with myself. Mm -hmm. What do I want? And when all we hear is everyone else's noise and chaos and opinions and things, we can never get clear with ourselves. And one of the most uncomfortable things that we get to do is to be quiet, be quiet with ourselves And hear our own thoughts and hear our crazy monkey going fucking wild in our brain, bashing around until it calms down and we can hear our own voice and our own desires and our own longings, which allow us to actually see where do I feel unsafe? Where do I need to address, you know, feeling like, like for me, my parents were very emotionally unavailable. And so I didn't feel safe to express express emotions. I didn't feel like people would show up for me. So I've built a fortress my entire life based on that. And it wasn't until I started doing the work and in a relationship with my husband, where I started to notice those patterns popping up. And I had to be honest and say, is it my husband's job to now be my mom and dad for my five-year-old? Or is it my job to do the work and to be in therapy and to journal and all the things to address that little girl and her needs so that that is not keeping me a hostage now. And if we are willing to have those conversations and if we are willing to get quiet and just be with ourselves, we'll see where safety is such a big part of our world, but it doesn't have to mean what we thought it meant before.
0: Right. It's almost like taking everything that you thought and questioning it, like put it under a microscope. Like where did that thought come from? where did that one come from? And you just kind of follow the, the the line, like picking up these little breadcrumbs and you're just like, okay, that one came from there. That one wasn't mine. This one, yeah, it was like that time from like when I was 12. And, you know, you start picking up the, these pieces and you get to collect them and discard them as as you're going through life. Meaning everything that happened to like, if you chose today to start taking action, everything from today, you know, uh, prior. We can discard because if it's not serving us now, why would we choose to carry it with us? So I think it's so important to recognize those things, but also uh, again taking that personal accountability, personal responsibility, um, realizing that you know what what did happen to you as a child was not your, your responsibility. I mean, you're small, you're young, you were not a caretaker. And if we did have you know emotionally unavailable parents, which I did as well, and I did, did not have a safe place where I felt that I was seen or heard or uh a place where i can openly express anything it was just i grew up in a family with like all boys and we didn't cry we didn't talk about things it was just you know you know plow through put on your stoic face put on your mask of perfection everything's fine and just stuff it down and quiet down and don't say anything so eventually you know what what come what's bottled up inside of us will eventually come out and so we start seeing that come out in in anger in resentment um in in uh, you know, bad habits, right? We're constantly seeking, like going to chasing bad men, right? Because we're looking for that longing and love and attention. We just want to be noticed. We want to be appreciated. And we start realizing that that small child carries with us into adulthood. And to your point where you say, like, you feel like you started too late. I felt the same way. I was just like, gosh, if I had the insight and awareness that I have now, than I did 10, 20 years ago, my life would be drastically different. True but we wouldn't have these stories. We wouldn't have this message. We wouldn't have this purpose right now and using our experiences to give back, creating podcasts like, like ours, um, you know, creating, you know, safe spaces for other women to experience that as well. And I think back on my life and think I couldn't possibly, like I needed to go through what I did, all the hardships so that I can have the experiences that I do now. And this becomes my life message and my life purpose.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. And I, It's like, I felt such shame about my life before for so long. And like, I was mad at myself. I was angry at other people for how they treated me. Just so many things. And I finally came to a point where it's like, you don't have to feel shameful. Like everyone has a past. Everyone goes through things and it's how we use it to create a new life for ourselves. It's all the lessons that we learn. If we didn't date the shitty guys, we wouldn't know how amazing the great guys are, right? Like we have to have some sort of context in life. If I wasn't depressed and I wasn't sick, I wouldn't know how amazing it is to feel healthy and to take care of myself. And you can say that for anything. And I think it's so important to not be so hard on ourselves. And I will be the first to admit, I'm extremely hard on myself. I imagine I've known you for seven seconds and you're probably the exact same way. So I think this is such a pattern, especially for women. And You have to let yourself off the hook. You have to show yourself grace because when we don't do that, we can't move forward. Then we're just stuck in a bullying ourselves and this really terrible narrative that didn't start with us, but now we're perpetuating it and now we can't get out of it. And if we show ourselves grace and we realize that every lesson is on purpose and meant to be for us and life is happening for us, even when it is feeling really terrible, then we get to take ownership over that and move forward and create something really beautiful and empower ourselves and speak kindly to ourselves and know that, yes, it may have been that way for a long time, but it doesn't have to be anymore. And it's okay that that happened and we're moving forward.
0: Right. And that, that power lies within you. Like, it, and it's, you know, I think it, it, it sounds so simple, but yet it's like this, this thing that we're, we're seeking this external, you know, it acceptance or or joy or love or happiness or any of that stuff, everything that we're seeking is found within. And like, to your point, we have to go, we have to look inward, we have to be quiet, we have to sit in that awkward silence, we have to get to really know ourselves. Um, You know, and and so I, I remember as a kid, my mom always said, you have to be your own best friend first before you can be someone else's. And I remember hearing, I mean, she used to say this quite often, but you know, as a, as a kid and then a teenager, you don't listen to your mom. What did moms know? Right. And it, I mean, I'm, I'm kicking my, myself in the butt for that because I'm like, yeah, had I actually listened to my mom and got out of my own way and just, you know, stop thinking, oh, you know, I know more than my mother. So it's like, sometimes our, our, you know, elders are there for the wisdom aspect of it. They might not know the things that are happening in this life because they're not current with like tech or, you know, data or any, any of the things that are just happening in, in this, this era of our life, but yet they know a lot that came from their own experiences. And so when she said that to me, and it took me what felt like a lifetime to learn I'm so grateful for that because it's so true. How I treat myself, how I talk to myself, how I care about myself and for myself are a direct reflection of how I do for others. And as you mentioned, I mean, as a former people pleaser, right? I think externally, we were pleasing people with the expectation, unwritten and unverbalized or uncommunicated expectation was that if I do for you, you'll do for me because you see that it was, you know, it's reciprocating. Right. And I found that in my own people, pleasing experiences, it became love with condition. And then I started recognizing that I'm like, wow, in what other areas of my life is love conditional love becomes transactional because I thought that's how I was treating myself. And that's how I was expecting in return and sometimes i would say like no i'm just doing that because i'm a really kind good person which is true but then when you realize that you're being taken for granted because people see that there's kind of that you feel disappointed like why do i always give and i feel like nobody notices or gives back it's because you were expecting in return and not really thinking that which is super fucking manipulative right and you didn't know this because i I yeah because you don't know what you don't know No. And then when the lens is pulled off or the, you know, like the bells pulled off, you're just like, holy shit. Like I love is supposed to be unconditional. And here I'm getting mad because those people weren't loving me conditionally, unconditionally. And I'm over here like, but they came with conditions. And I started to see these patterns. And that's when I said, okay, great. I can say that it's all on them. But yet that starts today. I put a stop to that. That's not who I want to be. And so I took responsibility. I took action. And I decided to change me, took that, that, that course or directions that today is the day that I choose something different. And that was the pivotal moment. And I love that you had mentioned it because the same thing for you is right.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think I learned that my mom, she passed away a couple of years ago. She was extremely narcissistic and manipulative and everything was very conditional for her. And I think I learned that from her and I didn't realize it until after she died. But my my people pleaser, especially with her, which is where it started, was I always wanted to do things and make her proud because I needed something in return. I needed her to validate me. I needed her to approve of me and tell me how amazing I am and how much she loved me. It couldn't be that I just did something for myself. And when I realized this a couple of years ago, I started to see... The pattern of I'm only doing this for other people in my head, but in reality, I'm really doing this for myself. I want people to see me a certain way. I want to be portrayed a certain way. I want to be validated a certain way. If you don't give me something back the way I want it, the way I receive love, it's not enough. It's not right. Right. And this is a huge point of contention with my husband and I. It's so much better now, but the first few years of our relationship, we have different love languages. And so he wants quality time. I want words of uh, words of affirmation and touch. And he doesn't know how to give words of affirmation. And so he would do quality time and I would be so upset with him. And he's like, I'm giving so much to you. And I'm like, no, you're not. Because it doesn't look exactly the way I want it and the way I receive it. And so mm-hmm. I would be upset. And these are just like subtle little ways that we're so manipulative and we we twist things kind of like what you were talking about earlier for our own confirmation bias. It's like, see, I do everything for everyone else and I take care of everyone and I'm so thoughtful and no one does anything for me. Okay. Well, yeah, but you created this dynamic. Like, what do you expect?
0: Right. And that, and it's funny because you realize like the change of relationships from that point forward. And I remember that like during that season, when I was you know, reclaiming my power and, and, and saying, you know what, I'm done people pleasing. And, um, I realized how much of these relationships changed and it it was because I was given 90% and they were just kind of showing up like 10%. So eventually when I pulled back and I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm just going to give my 50, like, uh, because I need that extra 40 to pour back into me. Like somebody's got to care for me because I'm not getting those needs met. And I watched, there was quite a few relationships that, uh, you know, landed and, and I had to be okay with that. I mean, it was like grieving and loss of, 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 long-term relationship, grieving and loss of this, uh, former version of myself. There was so much of this that, um, you know, it took, it took, you know, I, for anyone listening is like, oh my gosh, this sounds like so much. Well, it is, but it's not something you do all at once. It's this constant progress and it's the journey. So you're going to feel like these different, um, uh, tensions as you go throughout. And I just remember that dynamic change. And there was just like, you know what, this, that just confirmed what I was believing that these relationships weren't, they were conditional. They stuck around because they were benefiting them and I didn't get anything out of it. There was nothing in return. What I was hoping on of return was like you had said to be appreciated to be validated to be noticed to be loved to be to be seen like so, hi can you not see that I'm doing these things but um you know to your point was like how many of these these relationships were you know kind of just kind of backwards into what we were looking for and so i mean same thing even with my husband and i like his is his love languages are different than mine and how we give love is sometimes different than how we receive. So do you, I presume you have a different giving love language than a receiving love language. Is that correct? Or would Mm, you say the
1: same? I would say, yeah, I love giving gifts. Um, Yeah. But I'm definitely like, I give with touch and I give with words of affirmation for sure. Um, Which is, it's funny because that's when I get upset because I'm like, I'm giving you all these things. Why don't you give them back to me? And they're like... (laughs) This is not how I receive them. I don't get it,
0: (laughs) right? And it it took a took a minute because you always hear like you know the five love languages, and people think, oh, well, if we're speaking the same language, but there's the two way street with communication giving and Mm -hmm. receiving. So I'm the same. I love giving gifts, like that's just my love giving language. But my love language is uh, acts of service and touch. Mm. Like, yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's just that it's cool. We have similar, but yeah, yeah. I
1: think too. I was I was thinking while you were talking. The thing that I've noticed, like this trend, especially with women, is like, I think part of the problem is that we don't know how to receive. Mm -hmm. We're not available to receiving. So I watch some of my friends who are so giving. They do so much for others. They're such people pleasers, peacekeepers, martyrs. and. They want people to do things for them, but they are not in a space to receive it. And so they keep feeling resentful that people won't take care of them, yet they won't create the space for that dynamic because it's scary. Mm -hmm. And I really had to learn this skill of receiving, unconditional receiving, not receiving because I did something for you, receiving because you chose to do something nice for me. And that feels good. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, there's so much work to be done in this way of as women in our feminine, stepping out of the doing and taking a step back and just allowing things to come to us, whether it's love, sex, money, abundance, your dream house, whatever that is. Can you actually create the space to receive it? can you be in a place where you are knowing of your worth and that you deserve it? Because until we get to that place, we're just going to keep doing for other people, hoping that it will come back to us. But it's like this block. Mm -hmm. You've created this block. You've created, you know, the protection again, because it's so uncomfortable to receive.
0: Right. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I was actually kind of thinking, I'm like, how do we, how do we go there? And I'm glad that you brought that up because it's so true, right? Because we're, we are, we're women and we are of feminine energy, but we have lived in a masculine world that is all about do, 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 go, go, go. There's, we can't even stop to think. We can't even stop to slow down and spend time with ourselves to get to know us, right? So I remember again, in my, I'm pulling a lot of these examples from my own journey, but a conversation came up and they're like, well, you know, what do you do for like you and your like feminine energy? I was just like, took me back. I was like, I have no idea. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I work like, I love working. Like, yeah, but that's not that that's like a masculine energy. Like when you're really forward in it, you're grinding, you're hustling. Like where's the feminine energy. And I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I guess that's a great question. So it made me pause. And that was probably the first time I had to actually take inventory of, of my life and accountability of that part as well, because I was not allowing myself to be loved. I was not allowing myself to be cared for. I wasn't allowing myself to receive, receive compliments, receive gifts, receive, you know, love uh from from my husband, from my friends, from all those people that were actually trying to get, you know, return in a sense. I wasn't open for it. And so when I started shifting. From being like all masculine energy to embracing more of that femininity, it's like the world started to slow down. The lights got brighter. The things opened up. Opportunities started presenting themselves. People were being attracted, like to me, like I was, you know, I was vibing with with those people. And I started realizing, like, holy crap, this is a whole nother world. Like, how cool is it that we can open the opportunities and possibilities? All just from slowing down and embracing the other half of ourselves, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, so how I much know. of that changed for you?
1: Yeah, I don't really believe in balance. I kind of just believe in seasons, mm-hmm. And I really feel like running a business needs masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's a there's a difference between doing and going after. And attacking something versus relaxing back into receiving, right? And I think that's why we need both. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're like right now, I feel there's a huge part of me that feels in the receiving feminine energy because I'm pregnant, because I'm bringing life into the world, because I'm nesting and doing all those mm-hmm. things. You know, I'm like in so, so, so in mom mode. But there's the other part of me that's like, working really hard right now, preparing the company to not only scale, but to do so while I'm gone. Right? So I'm like really focused, really driven, going for it. That's a chapter I'm in. That's a season I'm in. I'm not always scaling the company with three new offerings, onboarding a bunch of clients, and also preparing the entire team for me to be gone. So I'm very much in like that masculine energy right now. But so often I'm very much in the receiving. I'm very much open to clients come to us. I never go after clients. Like I just don't. I don't believe in it. If you want to work with us, if you want to work with me, then we're for you. If you don't, like that's okay. I never worry about people coming and going or not being into what we have because I know that we'll be with the right people and we'll track the right energy. And going after someone and pursuing in that way is not feminine energy to me. And it feels kind of manipulative. And I don't like marketing tactics that are out there. So I just, this is how I operate. I really feel like so much of my life, especially in television, I had to be in the masculine. I had to go after things because you're constantly working to climb this magic ladder that's going to take you to the television heavens and you're going to be, you know, Oprah. Yeah. And I just realized how miserable I was and it's exhausting and it doesn't feel good. And it's just not genuine to who I am. And so I've learned how to really take a step back and say, if this is meant to be, then it's meant to be, and I'm going to create the foundation for it. And I'm going to do all my due diligence and work really hard to be very clear on what we offer and our values and our integrity and all those things and that will bring in the right people, you know, and that's such a shift. And I think, again, I like, it's annoying that I say this so much, but it's radical honesty with yourself. It's like when I started soul fire, I was very much in the masculine. I was driving so hard. I was in the center of the universe. Everything was like, people are coming to work with me. I have to do this. I have to work hard at this. I have to wear 12 hats. It's going to die without me. And now I realize That's not scalable and that's not sustainable. And I, in order for this to grow and actually scale, I have to take a step back and be in my feminine and be prepared to receive all the clients and all the money and all the fun that I desire for this company. And it, because of that, it took off.
0: Right. Yeah, because you created a business that was in alignment with who you are and like what your intentions are behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so important to, to differentiate because no, I, I I don't believe that there's an equal balance of of anything in life. It's it you know you say like the yin and yang, but it's like it comes in seasons, as you said. Like there's a time to you know work hard. There's a time to to reap the rewards of it. There's a time you know it's it, everyone knows that song right? There's a season for everything, right? time to reap, a time to sow, a time to cry, a time to mourn, like all that stuff, right? But it's so true because I think if we're trying to operate always on balance, uh, you know, energies or, or rewards or whatever that is, it's not going to pan out. And there is those seasons where we do have to drive hard, but let's not us forget that we're still a woman that we need to be cared for, that we still need to protect and preserve, because otherwise we can just run out on fumes of this masculine energy that we're not meant to sustain that. So it's just being able to recognize that and pull back as needed. Um, But it's just, it's so cool when you can um, really take in the whole holistic aspect of it, like your whole wholeness of you. And then you are the center point, the focal point of everything in your life. So you are the the person behind your business, behind your brand, behind your purpose, behind who you are. And it's like, if we haven't done that inner work, all those pieces that are, you know, for the spokes, those are all pieces of us that are being touched. And we have to look at what are we pouring into those areas? If they're not growing and thriving in the way we are that we intend to, we have to take a look at ourselves and our reflection in the mirror and just ask us what's going on inside because everything is representation of who we are.
1: Yeah, it's like if this isn't working, if you don't feel supported, where are you making it not work? Where are you not asking for help? Like I was terrible at asking for help. I, would, oh, yeah. I was just really good at the things that I did my whole life. I was a great volleyball player, a great student. I was a leader. I did all the things and I was good at it and I could handle it all. I just carried the world on my back. And I had to learn, especially in starting this company and being in a relationship and going through IVF this year and getting pregnant. It's like I can't do it all nor do i need to. I get to ask for help. I get to delegate. The company's not working? Talk to someone who's freaking smarter than me, which is our entire team. I just hired people smarter than me at the things they do so that I don't have to know everything because it's impossible to know everything, right? And I I trust them and I respect them and I get to ask them like, "Hey, what should we do on this? How should we handle this?" Same thing in my relationship. I had to ask my husband for more help. I said, I feel resentful because I feel like I'm doing so much and I need more of you and I need you to, I I need to feel taken care of. And he has shown up so big and so amazingly. And all you have to do is ask for help. All you have to do is open yourself up to receiving that support. But we have to be honest again with ourselves of like, where are we creating the blocks in our own life and our own experience? And how can we, Put pieces into place, whether it's resources or people, or just getting rid of things altogether that don't fit, so that we can have the life that we want. So that we're not constantly going around and round in circles trying to figure out why this doesn't work. You have the answers. You just are so scared to admit that that's the thing that you need.
0: Right, and it's it, you know we can sit around and like ask for all those things and create this life, but the beauty is we don't have to. This life is is temporary. So you're. We're only here for a short period of time, but also what we sign on today doesn't have to be our tomorrow and next week and next year. We could we could constantly change this. We could constantly evolve as as our identity evolves, as our businesses evolve, as our you know, you're about to embark on a new identity of momhood for the first time, motherhood for the first time, right? So that's something that you're preparing yourself for, but it doesn't mean that you know the Kelly today can't be plus mom Kelly. So there's different versions that we could take with us throughout these seasons. And um, you know, we can discard them. Sometimes we're like, okay, there was a party Rachel in here, but I don't I don't need to carry her into this life I'm here. I was fun back then doesn't mean that I can't have fun now. There's just a different version of her. So I think it's so important when we again going back to identities and beliefs, how much of those two are connected and what cost and what we're willing to to you know, give up to set ourselves free or to hold true to the belief in the identity of who we are today, that it's costing us the future of tomorrow of the woman that we want to become. Mm-hmm. So we have to question that, right?
1: Yeah. So many questions to ask ourselves around identity and those changes and transitions that come. And also to honor the fact that we don't have to be one version. I'm mm-hmm. so many versions. Like, yes, I am six months pregnant. I also really like sex. I also really like working, but I also am really looking forward to maternity leave. And I mean, those are just a few things, right? If you really sat down and wrote down all of your different identities and personalities and desires, and you would see how multi-layered we are. And I think the disservice we do is that we expect ourselves to just be one way. It's like, oh, well, now I am Kelly, the mom. And that's all I have. I don't get to have fun sex with my husband and I don't get to like work as many hours because this is who I am now. Well, can I be all of that? And can can she come out in different seasons and at different times and have the ability to be expressed in whatever way feels best? I really feel like that's possible, but I don't feel like that's what we're taught. It's like very black or white. You are this yes. or you are this. I think that there is like this beautiful melding that gets to happen of all of our personalities. I mean, I'm a chick with multiple personalities. It feels like like one day I'm like crazy and whatever. And the (laughs) next day I'm so grounded and amazing. But can I like let all of me out? And I think that's really important because when we don't do that, that's when we get angry and resentful and suppressed. And then we have a midlife crisis and blow up because we didn't let ourselves be ourselves.
0: Right. Because we're feeling like we have to live in these confines of somebody else's box that, you know, you have to be this for that, this for that. And then of course our own box. So it's like, it's, it's hard to fit into all these different boxes when, like you said, we are multifaceted. We have big personalities. We have big dreams, big goals, big everything. Right. So why are we trying to stuff ourselves into these like tiny, small man-made boxes that really are not conducive. They're just limiting. They're restrictive. And you know, here we are in this tight box, but yet we're longing for a life of freedom, a life of of just passion and excitement and joy and, and happiness. But yet why are we still in that box? So it's, you know, we can knock these walls down or we can expand the 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 box and grow, but all you're going to do is just now limit it at a bigger space. So you know I think overall that that journey to personal growth and, and self-discovery is unique to you know, each individual listener here, but it's also a collective effort because we can't go through life alone. It's so important to lean on each other and, and have these conversations. Um, You know, and I think of, again, of my former self, like if I had access to these kind of conversations back then, but, you know, but I would also have had to be in the right mindset to receive it. But I think at that time it wasn't relevant. It wasn't um, it wasn't as accessible as, as things are today. Um, and so that's kind of just been my core mission is to put out as much content as, as possible because I needed it. I'm sure you needed it. and anyone listening is you know, take it or leave it for what it is if it's applicable to your life today. Great if it's not, great. So it's just only you can decide what that future version of you is. but yet you can you only you know what you're willing to settle for today or let go of so you can become whatever that person is. Amen, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just been an incredible conversation. So I just want to thank you again for, for coming on. And and just, you know, this is one of our, you know, a conversation that I feel is so needed. And, and, um, you know, like I said earlier, before we started recording, it's just, the, these are the conversations that I truly enjoy having that deep, meaningful conversation that um, I hope anyone listening is is also like this is a breath of fresh air because sometimes, you know, we we have different different women from different walks and and I love sharing all facets of it. And so I thought this was a, a really great conversation. So yeah. thank you. again.
1: I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And of course, anyone who wants to follow along with you or learn more about you or possibly, you know, even doing other podcasting with you, like, give us all the details. How can people connect with you?
1: Yeah. So Instagram, I'm Kelly T. Moore and Soulfire Productions Co. And then our company website, soulfireproductionsco.com. Um, and happy to support anyone in, in any way.
0: Absolutely. This has been an honor. Of course, all that will be in the show notes for those listening. So thanks again. And we'll definitely be following along with your journey because you're about to embark into a new one with motherhood soon. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening.